and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Season GM. We are hoping you're doing great out there in this new, at least for our present, year of 2021 by the Occidental Calendar. It's all shiny oh and new and full of possibilities. And if any of you out there jinx it, Shh. I'm going to find you. Don't say anything else. I'm not saying it. Assuming okay. everyone has appropriately eaten their black-eyed peas, collard greens, and other Lentils. traditional foods. Lentils. I am hoping none of you chose to tempt fate. In the meantime, because it's a new year, because it's a year of possibilities, of ideas, of change, we here at Seize the GM thought we would bring you a new GM's library. Yeah. So. But we're doing it differently, aren't we? We are doing this one a little differently. Normally we would take like either TV shows or video games or books and we would all come up with like three of them for each of us so we end up with nine things and this time we decided that instead of doing that we were going to do a movie a book and a tv show but only one of each because we're pretty sure that some of you out there got gift cards and gift certificates and credits for audible or something like that and hey, we got some good suggestions. It's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, because sometimes so. you're like, what am I going to get? I want to use it, but I don't know. Hey, we can give you some ideas. Yes. We are pretty good at coming up with some ideas for things. So, <laughs> <laughs> But to start it off, Zen, why don't you give us your movie inspiration for GM libraries? Okay. It's called The Titan. And it's on Netflix. I believe it's even a Netflix original. Um, The Earth is kind of becoming impossible to live on. And they need to start figuring out where they're going to send people. In steps Titan. You know, like the moon of Jupiter. Yeah, that's the location. That's where they're sending them. (laughs) Now, what they really start doing is, is they start fiddling because they know through having sent probes and other things like that, what the world is actually like, what that moon, which is basically a world is actually like. And then they start tinkering with people's genomes. And that's what the movie's about. It's kind of, horrific to watch someone as they change oh oh so it's like active mutation kind of a thing oh yeah they start putting in things that are notorious for surviving in highly aquatic locations like you know 
things that have an amazing ability to retain oxygen in their bloodstream for long periods of time while underwater. Yeah, because well, Titan is a Saturnian moon. It's not a Ju- it, it, it's not of the Jovian system. Okay, yeah, it's it's there, no, but no, it's, it's Titan is the it actually has and for science bets actually has an atmosphere. It does rain. It doesn't rain water. It <laughs> it, yeah. it rains uh, <laughs> uh, methane, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it actually has like weather patterns and rains, and there's like valleys that have been cut by the the, the liquid methane and stuff. Yeah. That's why it's, it's so hazy. It's it's horrific uh, of a planet, but then they start changing people to fit it. That does sound like a really creepy option, which is quite on brand for you, Zen. But, but yeah, and that but, also means but, that what you can also do with this. Do. Now, now, here's a trick to this: if you were going to set a game in a world where things are not, you know, Earth, these are things to look at and and think about when you're doing. You know, usually it's science fiction. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I could, you could make a case for a fantasy setting or whatever. And this particular way of changing people is horrific. Don't get and me it's wrong. Societal. And think about the societal implications is like, if you change, are you able to come back? Right. There, there's yeah. all kinds of things that you can dig into with this. and. And apply like the ideas and the concepts that are present in this movie in another play, like in another in a game, because at one point they actually become able to communicate without speaking almost because they're using like subsonics Mm -hmm. and they they just stop speaking to everybody that isn't one of them because it's more than just one person. And their whole thing is they have to go there and start setting up the world for the rest of humanity. Sounds creepy as all hell. It's it is, but it's also very, very cool. Yeah. It does. So Jules, what have you got? All right. Movie. Yeah. I went with an oldie that, Absolutely awesome movie called The Sting. This is the one with Robert Redford, and this is the movie that introduced me to the hunk that is Robert Redford. And it goes in to all the things you have to do for a con job. And, and, and it's like a big one. Like it, Ocean's Eleven is peanuts, okay? And it's amazing. And it, but it gives a lot of insight as... You know, you're creating a huge con, you're creating a huge illusion. And you can kind of sort of take those tricks, figuring out, it's like, if you want to do a multi-layered kind of narrative, what does the regular Joe Schmo see? What do their PCs see? Then what do the NPCs that are working on this, but not in on the whole thing, you know? Or, um, you know, and what do the people that are putting all this thing on know? It's wonderful. It's it's delightful and you get to see kind of how a con is built 
But in the same way, you can also kind of transpose that into how a narrative is built. Like, what's the truth? All right, what do the, you know, it, in case it was like a secret Illuminati, what does the Illuminati know? Then what does the Illuminati show the rest of its people? Then what does Illuminati show the masses? It's kind of delightful, but it, instead of being like this kind of dark, sad, you know, heavy dystopian thing, it's energetic and light and pushes it. And it's just, I don't have to say it's, it's a delight to watch. It's, you know, catch me if you can, Ocean's Eleven kind of thing. But with a lot of that old classic kind of like a movie feel. I mean, okay. Manger, you you know the movie too. I mean. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Robert Redford and Paul Newman together, a, a classic that, if I remember correctly, is in the top 20 grossing films of all time, uh, adjusted for inflation. I didn't know that. And it, it, it purposefully evokes the movies of the 30s. Like, like the, the way it's shot uh, is shot not to, uh, from its time frame, reflect what the 30s would have looked like, but to look like a movie from the 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of create that that hyper reality that sometimes can draw us into some of the best best stories, and it yeah. is one it's energetic. Of, oh yeah, it, the the amount of running. Um, if you know oh, yes. Doctor Who, I mean, it, it it's up there with Doctor Who seasons as far as mm-hmm. how much running is going to happen. You should watch it, especially if you like heist games, especially if you like the heist genre. Uh, you you would never have seen TV shows like Leverage without it. It is, uh, I think, required popular culture literacy for anyone, not just gamers. Yeah, and the other thing is that I, I, it's not for I wouldn't say for like super little tykes, but it's it's moderately family friendly. You know. So it's, it's, you know, it it gets, it's much more happy and bouncy and upbeat versus, you know, that whole kind of heavier feeling of certain like Catch Me If You Can or Ocean's Eleven. So, (laughs) and I want to guard, what what do you got for us, Garden Manger? Well, I am going to recommend Dune. Yes, yes. The book is listed in the GM's library from earlier episodes. But what are you I'm, doing, though? I'm, oh, I'm specifically talking about the 1984 David Lynch movie. Oh. The glorious and over-the-top first theatrical adaptation of Dune. It is not true to the source material, but truer than the one that almost happened. But it is lush and visceral uh, in the way it's shot and the way Lynch put it together. The, the saturated colors, the fantastical elements are sources of inspiration. And, and clearly it fueled the imagination of David Lynch. And while there is the new movie coming out by the time you're listening to this, if you listen to this sometime close to when it drops, this year, 2021, that appears to be closer to uh, the, the first book, there is something magical about the absolute absurdities and, and excess of the 1980s that you see in the David Lynch Dune. Also, it has Max von Sydow and Kyle MacLachlan and Patrick Stewart. It has all of these actors that we think of now in the firmament who 
wore the most uncomfortable possible costumes they could wear in an absolutely insane oh sting as Fedratha and and yes <laughs> it oh, is sting a, had the stage presence to pull that that character off yeah, very good clothing yeah especially wearing nothing but but a nothing but almost a little bit of fabric that barely covered yeah. a, you should it is a thing. Note the difficulty we have in trying to describe it. And this is not just because Dune itself is a very dense and complex story. It's the Dune novels, especially the original ones. We won't discuss the, the prequels and sequels that, that were completed after the fact by you know further family members, are full of inspiration for science fiction, for fantasy, for politics, for almost everything you can imagine, as well as larger themes. And this movie was the first attempt to take what clearly has proven to be an unfilmable single movie to fruition, because even the 2021 movie is the first half of the first book. To make the full thing, the Sci- Sci-Fi Channel did a limited series, not a single movie. They tried to film something that was unfilmable, fueled by the insanity of the 1980s and that peculiar blend of probably illegal stimulants, lots of money, and no one telling them no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's it, a romp. It is, it is a romp. And the one thing I did like about it, this is just me, is you could just watch it and enjoy the absurdity. Or you could watch it and, if you've read the book, see it's like, how are they representing certain things that are described in the book? Or, you know, see you know, how deep of themes and how many layers did, did Lynch decide to go? You know, if you really want to, if you want to go super analytical or if you want to say... This is this is crazy, and these guys are wearing outfits. I how it's like how the heck do they carry their stuff? They have no pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we won't get into all of that. That's its own it's, special thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. But with that, let's kind of turn it back. And Jules, what book are you bringing to the table? Okay. Um, as most of you people know, I am a huge science nerd. I picked What If by Randall Monroe, and it's amazing. It takes, he, he gets questions. He, he, Randall Monroe created the comic XKCD, which is stick figure based science on you just, and physics and math and insanity and geek culture. It's hilarious. But he came up you know, there's a uh, section where he gets emails from from people asking just weird, weird questions. It's like, what would happen if you threw a ball 0.9% of the speed of light? Or, you know, what would happen if velociraptors attacked New York City? Just these random, off-the-wall, bananas beyond all kind of thing uh, type of questions. And he uses a lot of the scientific knowledge and the scientific method, and he gets in other experts on what would actually happen if you threw a ball at 0.9% the speed of light. So he gets actual physics in. So it's just amazing. And the nice thing about it is 
you know, you could use that in your game. You can use that as to, okay, so you've got one of your players telling the, the forces of, of gravity to sit down and shut the hell up. It's like, okay, what would be the effect of that? What if you cast a spell and the earth stopped rotating? And if you wanted to throw a little bit of, you know, instead of just doing the, oh, it's magic hand wave, it's like, you know what? Why don't you think about what would happen? Yeah. And it's and the best thing about it is he actually il- puts a l- bunch of illustrations in his book. So you can have like his the little stick figures, you see one throwing a ball nearly speed of light, then you see the, the guy at home plate exploding because of all the gamma radiation and stuff that's happening and <laughs> dealing with the like nuclear fusion that happens at the front of the ball. And the thing is if you get this book on Audible, it's narrated by Will Wheaton. So it's a win either way. I've got both. So, Fun. yeah. God what do we got? What do we got? Well, if people have been following along and know that you are, are the resident science geek, they know that I'm the resident humanities geek. And so I'm recommending the complete sonnets and poems of William Shakespeare, especially oh. the sonnets. Okay, you just, oh. Oh, I, I applaud, I applaud, don't mean to interrupt, but you brilliant man, you. Language in a sonnet's a wonderful thing. Shakespeare's use of language is a remarkable thing that shaped the Western world's use of English for the last 400 plus years, and may well have shaped how we conceive of being human, the way that it's described in, in the works, authored under the name William Shakespeare. We will not worry about, you know, is Shakespeare Shakespeare? That's a whole different conversation and a whole different campaign. Sonnets. Sonnets are brilliant little things. They should take about one minute to read. They should challenge preconceptions. They're meant to be a little cheeky with a little bit of a hidden meaning. These aren't stuffy poetry readings that are dead and stale. Look at this as kind of the first use of emoji texting. It's meant to convey something less than upstanding. All of them are meant to convey something less than upstanding. It takes about a minute because it's only 14 lines, three quatrains and a rhyming couplet to end. It has a a familiar beat and cadence, and you will find ways to describe things and ways to maybe have an emotional response that could be useful to you. As a person and, and as a GM. And it, I'll be honest, it's the thing is, they feel even they, they all have a different feel. Some feel fun, some feel sad, and you don't exactly realize it until maybe you finish and kind of breathe. Well, and it's that last couplet that kind of gives it away sometimes. Exactly. All right. Indulge me for one minute. Uh, that's a I, I I will at least do one one of my favorites, which is uh, Sonnet Forty Five. Oh, the other two, slight air and purging fire, are both with thee wherever I abide. Uh, the first, my thought; the other, my desire. These present absent with swift motion slide. For when my quicker elements are gone, in tender embassy of love, my life being made of four with two alone sinks down to death, oppressed with melancholy. Until life's composition be recured by those swift messengers returned from thee, who who e'en but now come back again assured of thy fair health, recounting it to me. This told I joy, but then no longer glad. 
I send them back again and straight grow sad. Mm. Nice. Uh, I love that one. Yeah, it's paired up with Sonnet 44. Those of you who like, you know, the classical Aristotelian elements, obviously we have two here. The other two are in Sonnet 44. But before I go off on a Shakespeare kick that could be like an entire month of episodes for Seize the GM. Zen, yeah, you could. Oh, you know it. <laughs> yep, I do. So my book is actually Sphere by Michael Crichton. So I don't know how, like, everybody is always like, oh, Michael Crichton did all this research about things, and, you know, he he pushed kind of, it's kind of science fiction, but not science fiction. He's, he's a really interesting author for things that deal with science because he spent tons of time way more than he probably should have for writing some of the books that he did but if you ever do something underwater in either present or future you really would be doing yourself a disservice by not reading this book because he did a lot of the research because that was the type of person he was. I mean, he used to have entire notebooks full of just information that he had found and things that he was researching about the like diving techniques and all the things that were coming up when this came out and pushing it further because that's as we've said with all good science fiction it's now but not quite now there's always something that's changed to make it good science fiction and that's one of the things with his stuff and if you've do not watch the movie read the book because the movie it used to be referred to as my go to sleep movie really oh yes because the the front credits are so long and drawn out that you will fall asleep if you're the slightest bit tired before the actual movie starts so if you're going to watch it, know this going in. The credits take forever. But read the book or find it on Audible. I actually found a copy of it through my library. Because um, they've, they've got uh, audiobooks through my library. So I just found it through there and listened to it earlier this year. I mean, I own the book. I've read the book like twice. Because I've used, I have literally pulled things out of it for different campaigns and stuff that I was going to run something where there was a bunch of underwater things that I wanted to do. And I just cherry picked the pieces that I wanted because nobody cared. And if you're just 
picking it apart for the things that you want. It is proof that research into something that you want to go like go into much more depth in a game is great. And there's proof in almost every Michael Crichton book of just how much if you do any research into a topic, if you want if you're not somebody that can sit there and read through hours and hours of of technical specifications and everything else, but you can, you know, read through a narrative, then that is a way to do it. And yeah. a lot of his stuff is just it's the story. Those things are just kind of bolted in. It kind of reminds me, Crichton, I, I like Crichton's style of writing better than Asimov's, but both of them actually have a basis in rock-solid scientific theories and facts. Yeah. They they do, because they have to know the rules before they can bend them. And both yeah. of, yeah. But, yeah, and they do. They bend them, because that's kind of what you have to do. And that is the beauty of science fiction, because it's mm -hmm. bending those rules and they're both, both of them are very good at it, but exactly. this one is just one that you can buy this in paperback for like $4 or $5. It's, so, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Zen here. It is, a, it's a, it's a good, it's a meaty science-based fiction story. Yeah. You know, they, they, they pretty much is just like, you could say, oh yeah, he bent some of the things, but it's rooted in science enough to make it believable. Without being like, oh, it's magic. Yeah, there's there. Yeah, it's the it's the Arthur C. Clarke advanced technology will be indistinguishable from magic at a certain advanced level. This one, it's like it's not hit that point. So right. you can't just say uh, because science. He has to say no because of uh, because of the water pressure and and the light. Blah blah blah. You know. Yep. And he did <laughs> all of that research for you. So if you want to use a lot of it, literally just read the book and just. Take notes, and you will be able to pull all kinds of stuff. And your players will be like, "Oh my god, when did you learn so much about underwater stuff?" And you just be like, "I'm just that good." <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So we got Gardner the last Manger. one. Carter what do you got for a TV show? All right, for TV shows, I am going to recommend Veronica Mars. Not only is this the vehicle that launched Kristen Bell's runaway popularity, it also is a glorious noir story executed without being obviously noir, especially in the first season. While it contains all the tropes of a noir story, down-on-luck private investigators, hard-luck stories, lost loves, it's set in this bright daytime California town centered on high schoolers. In a town rife with social divisions between the rich and the poor, between haves and have-nots, from high school with the parents as supporting roles. It is this absolutely brilliant example of working in multiple genres to create a cohesive and engaging story. And if you've seen it, and even just the first episode, you know it has the best backup ever featured for API. Nice. You know, I never watched that show because it, I guess, being set in California, very colorful, 
And I'm not. I'll have to give it another shot because I never realized that. It is witty and snarky and kind of subversive. And it's... um... It really is a noir movie without like beating you over the head. Look at me being modern noir, uh, which sometimes can be a, a thing that happens. Uh, yeah. Also, one of the best themes theme songs ever. Yeah. See, this was from the time period. Oh wait, that was most of the like nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens, two thousand four was yeah. Right. Yeah, see, I didn't watch TV through any of that time frame. So I recommend it. It's great mysteries and and fun and the uh, success of, of the marshmallows, the fans bringing it back from uh, death over a decade later for a, a fan service movie and then additional season on the streaming services is truly a fantastic example uh but yes it uses a version of we used to be friends by the dandy warhols as a theme so oh <laughs> i love it oh okay how, how did i not know this because it was bright and shiny and set in a california town with a perky blonde as the main character yeah you win <laughs> <laughs> that would be why <laughs> <laughs> all right That's then Okay. Then what do we got for TV shows? The original Twilight Zone. The Rod Sterling one? Yes. Ooh. Because any show that gave us weird fiction on our TV screen for years needs to be watched. There is so much that you can mine out of these things that were placed there by the the amazing mind of Rod Sterling. Because... He did so many cool things with that show and played, you know, against type, subversion. I mean, it was all done in there. But it's all through the lens of this weird, not quite current, not quite normal fiction. And there isn't, it's not that weird like cosmic horror fiction that you you know it was just strange most of the time there was you could totally follow along and it was like nothing was weird until this one thing happens and i mean there were so many good ones in that um and there's a lot of like modern tropes or and like quotes it's like there was time right now. Yeah, it's like, no, no, there, there was time now and just the, the absolute yeah. ripping and dread. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that episode, but it's one of my faves. Submitted yeah. for your approval. Exactly. I mean, there are yes. so many great things that came out of that show it, that like, it, it, it and it was all done in black and white. Jules hit it on the head. It defined what we now think of as tropes. It was so pervasive and so influential that there are phrases, shots, entire genres that are built around this, you know, social commentary, this, this satire that this exploration of uh, exploration of, of another dimension. 
yeah. a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. I mean, it was into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and the thing is, it it became there were so many also just like parody spinoffs and just riffs on it, but it's but like kids today were not around when the original Twilight Zone was on or had a harder time watching reruns until it came to Netflix. But again, yeah. shows like future, I think it was Futurama. It's like, now you're uh, coming upon the scary door. You know, there's yeah. so, and we, the thing is you get the reference. It's, it's so brilliant. It's become such a rich part. It's so everything about, that show was iconic. And it is one of those things that if you have not seen it, you really do need to watch it because you will be able to pull so many things. And people will be like, oh, that is so cool. You you used this trope or this trope. And you're like, no, I just used the Twilight Zone. <laughs> but the thing is, that's where the tropes came from because uh-huh. it was such... A, a huge effect. But see, you're going back. See, you're not pulling it from the trope. You're pulling the original. Mm-hmm. Which so is not is a trope awesome. at that point, because that's not the trope. That was that was the original. And it's kind of cool to see, though, also how certain tropes, themes, storylines, story beats have changed. Like the, the effect on... The effect on uh, you know on the the psychology of the populace, how it means meant then versus now, and how certain ideas have migrated. It's brilliant. Yeah. All yeah. right, Jules, bring us home with your TV recommendation. All right, I'm going. I'm going back to Gegege no Kitaro, and that's because it's it originally started out with kind of a Japanese monster of the week. Uh, teaching you about yokai and how Japanese yokai, then they're not like the the nice kind of you know the the helpful spirits that that you would see. Uh, I am sorry that you would kind of see as like kami, you know, the beneficial spirits of luck and stuff like that. But they go to a lot of what the like what the tanuki really were. What you know, the tanuki back then were really devious tricksters and it almost had kind of like a, a there's a uh, episode that came out uh the chinooki mafia and that's kind of how the original stories of the chinooki really were and they're bringing instead of that that cute little you know the the, the little kind of raccoon guy beats the stomach is really adorable they're they're terrifying but what actually kind of really started just kicking me is I'm watching a bunch of those and they the stories have gotten a lot darker and they've gotten a lot more deep in social com uh, comment commentary uh there is one it's uh a a yokai called zumbera and you have to eat a deep fried human soul and she does spirit plasty on you and makes you beautiful makes you cute and it's the whole condemnation of cute culture must be adorable the whole kawaii idea and it goes even it gets even darker there actually is the they go into like the yokai war and then the conflict between the the western idea of halloween and zombies and and vampires and stuff like that and it's 
in its war kind of with Japanese culture of the Japanese type of vampires and how like their concept is being kind of overrun by the whole uh, Vlad Tepes Dracula kind of theory. And the uh, one of the worst ones is the, and it, 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 it made me cry. There was the, the Azuki and Azukis are sweet beans. And they're wonderful, yeah. and they're delicious, and they're in there a lot of sweets. But there's three yokai. There's uh, Azuki Edarai, Azuki Haraki, and is yes, uh, Azuki Baba. And they're all three yokai based around Azuki beans. And you know they want to bring back Azuki because Japanese culture is being overtaken by a lot of the Western parfaits and super sweet treats. And in trying to do so, they lose who they are. And then they start raging against like the populace and start cursing people that are eating sweets. And it's, it, it, there's, it became a lot heavier with social commentary rather than just being like a monster of the week. Now it's not just a monster of the week, but it's showing like culture wars between history and now. And can you adapt by still keeping who you are changing and growing and, and, adapting without losing who you are and it's i'm watching some of these and i'm just started crying because yeah. it's like it's not just oh you know and, and we've seen some of the, the the happier things or at least more positive in, in the hog father in uh because you see like the the boogeyman the original boogeyman becomes a tooth fairy because they want to protect kids imagine taking a darker turn on that and, it, you know, and it also goes well above. There's like, like the yokai war, like the yokai that are changing and they're, they're kind of like adapting from being much more malicious, like the old Tanuki to the new Tanuki. And like the internal civil war, like between, you know, hey, we are one people. And now that we have conflicting ideas, you want abject annihilation of the other side. And you watch it slowly. Because the thing is, like, it's building. And you don't realize it until you get into later episodes. And you don't... Because you're like, oh, yeah, you, they, they're happy. Hey, we learned a lesson. And then you see what happens when the lesson starts to propagate. And factions are drawn. And in, I guess, in today's society, it's, it rings a little bit more true than what I thought. Yeah. That's cool. Because originally I liked it because you learned yokai and, you know, there was some some kind of biting social commentary because the first episode was pretty much a bitch slap of Jake Paul and uh, and and uh, Logan Paul, which is like a bitch slap of them being who they are. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yay, hey, they're just like smacking and like, hey, that's naughty, quit being a dick. And then it starts... It's like, okay, they're not afraid to hit on those. And then just certain themes just get deeper and darker. And you don't realize it until you shut the episode off and you take a breath and it just like hits you later. And, you know, it wasn't doing that in the beginning. It started doing it much, much because it's already hooked you because you like these great stories. And now you're like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I I was not expecting that. It's like certain, certain episodes really hurt. You know, not not in the oh yeah, depressing, but you just feel it, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I empathize. Yeah, I was not expecting to empathize. 
it happens yeah. to the best of us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, before it's like, yay, you learn about different monsters, but this one shows how, you know, the changing of mythology and the changing of monsters and the changing of, you know, how other cultures can affect others. So one thing you can see, it's just like, all right, hey, you're visiting an area that's never been explored before. All right. What's going to happen after you leave? Yeah. So it's, it's, oh, cool. there's a lot more, it shows a lot more ripples and how it plays into like, you know, a country's mythology. Yeah. So, well, that's oh, cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to ramble there. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. But I'd say that also does kind of wrap up what we brought to the table. And while normally we'd go into examples and, and talk about our closing remarks, we just gave you a whole episode of things. It's closing remarks. You, as you say, <laughs> of what we would put in closing remarks with a little extra explanation. Uh, mm -hmm. You may have found a little bit of our personality shining through in what we brought here and, and kind of things that flavor the rest of what we do. If this is your first time you have ever listened to Seize the GM, please like, subscribe, rate, review, all of that jazz, and go back, download, listen to everything we've done before, and then find us on Discord to tell us which episode was your favorite and why it has me in it. <laughs> I think that they you're going to be mistaken when they say that they enjoy me. <laughs> you're right. It's more when I say you're wrong that they like it, but that's a whole different oh. story. Yeah, probably. <laughs> this is going to go on forever, isn't it? Yeah, pretty <laughs> Well, guys, the, it has been really cool and and fun and fun. But I would also say the next episode is going to be similar to this, so it's not going to be us diving into something big and heavy. But it will be fun, and. I'm just going to go ahead and say the next episode is going to be our stat block of Palooza for the year. Stat block of Palooza. So we're going <laughs> to hit those. You're way too excited about that, don't you? <laughs> he does enjoy doing that. Yeah, he does. Uh, but we're going to hit those the the gym library and our stat block of Palooza. We're going to hit both of those right out the gate this year, and then we are going to dive into a topic that's going to take us probably the next two months to finish. So. But the good news is you may have some amount of say in it. It is true. Be on the look. Yep. Be on the lookout on all the appropriate social media. And in the meantime, roll some dice. Have fun. Keep listening and to season GM. And listen to October Pod on YouTube because thank you very much for the past Christmas joy and spookiness. Yes. <laughs> so, until next time, guys, have fun. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handle this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. 
Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.